your host, Bill Real. Welcome to another episode of the Almost Awakened podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful to be with you today. Today, I'm sitting down with my wife, Amanda. Amanda, say hi. Hello. So we thought we'd sit down and talk today about love and specifically our love. And maybe through some conversation pointing at something deeper, help you understand love in your own life. So babe, why don't you start us off and uh, let's talk just for a little while about the first half of life. The first 15 years we're married, we are part of a high demand fundamentalist religion and you and I get married young, um, and talk maybe about how you perceived us loving each other. So, um, us young lovebirds, um, I I thought you loved me good as in showering me with attention, which you did. I used to say I get, I feel guilty when I feel like I just want to peel you off of me because I know so many women would just crave that kind of attention. And um, and then on the other side of that, kind of lacking in more of the maybe emotional side of things. I was emotionally unavailable. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. So you're, you're saying that on the first half of life that um, I gave you plenty of physical connection. I'm... I'm clinging to you. I got my arm around you. I'm holding your hand. I'm rubbing your leg. I'm I'm giving you physical touch to the point where you might have even been like, hey, that's like, knock it off. That's too much. Yeah, there was times a lot when it was like, okay, this is to the point where it's kind of annoying me. And, and, and feeling guilty about that because here you are just giving me attention and loving me, you know, and then down the road a few years, then we learn of the... Um, love languages um, and know that everybody's love language is different and speaks differently and learning that yours is touch that totally made sense where touch isn't my top one Um, so anyways so backwards again um, yeah like I knew something was missing but I didn't know what and at the same time felt guilty about it and going back to the whole self-loathing part of me I didn't think I would ever find better anyways like I got lucky that somebody came along and is just here like I don't care the reason why they're just here and they're giving me attention so you shouldn't complain about anything right you you had a low expectation for what uh, competency of relationship you could achieve and so when I came along with all my shadows and flaws it felt like in spite of all my shittiness that it was in your mind, better than you deserved. Yes, because being in what you now call a shitty relationship was better than being alone. And yeah. that's what I had set for myself. Yeah, and in some ways, along the same lines, you know, you and I have talked about this, but I, my entire childhood, teenage years, were full of being rejected by women. And on some level, the moment I met you, you seemed enamored with me. You you seem to just really dig me. And being rejected all of my life, there was some degree of also feeling like I was just lucky to have somebody who paid attention to me. And so I didn't I didn't really think at the time about what a healthy or unhealthy relationship looks like. I was much more worried about someone who was willing to be in space with me, which you were every moment of every day. You are hot and you still are. You're fun to talk to, and you smell good. So for those that know Bill's kink, and his is when I cry when it's not his fault, mine is smell. Mine is definitely smell. So anyways, I saw you, and you were fun. You saw me, and I was fun. And I wouldn't have called myself fun. (laughs) Um, Our love, while young and uh, full of passion, full of fight, right? There's lots of times that we had fights, and I'm not talking about the fight in terms of us fighting, but rather the fight to make it work. Like mm. like you and I both fought to make our marriage work in spite of maybe the two of us letting each other down on a daily basis. Yeah. Like I felt like every day I was shitty to you. I felt like every day I was my shadows were showing up in terms of manipulating you to 
better fit an idea of me um, manipulating, you know, the housework being done by you so that I would have more free time to do the things I wanted. Um, manipulating you in terms of uh, how I'd utilize my time uh, with you and without you so that I could get as much time in as possible to, to play video games per se, or to do my own thing going golfing with my, my dad and my brother. And I never, you know, people should understand, I never felt like you were ever trying to control my time or tell me what I could do or not do, but rather that I would manipulate you into always having any moment I wanted to go do something different. Um, and so there was a lot of shittiness on that on that front half of life. There was a lot of me not treating you like a full human being. And, and it would lead to me at times deeply, deeply hurting your feelings. Um, and, and probably, probably creating the majority of the trauma that you've carried from life probably originates somewhere with me. Well, let's, let's be fair too, though. Um, it's not like I was this perfect little angel. Um, and so going back to how you were talking about our fight and our drive to, to fight each other, like you have always done that so much better than I ever could. The fighting for us. The, the... fighting for us. Um, you didn't know you were marrying such a fragile, broken person. And so, you know, those times of me just crying is not all on your shoulders either. And then when I am just in my batshit crazy modes and lizard brain in full flex, you knew what needed to be done to finally calm me down and see big picture and that we were going to get through this. And you have always fought extremely hard for us. And I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, we. I think we always felt like we were in love with each other. And we both had shadows and things that we uh, imposed on the other. And, and so we certainly were hurting each other, but I thought we loved each other so good. And I always felt like I had a good marriage. I don't I don't ever remember like periods of time where I where I thought anything other than that. Like I've always felt like we had a good marriage and yeah. you know, you and I were trying to kind of level with our kids a while back and and one of our kids, a daughter, she always felt like we were on the brink of divorce. Like we were she in her her memory of us and again recognizing on both sides memories distorted and not 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 able to be recalled as it really happened. But she made it sound like it, you know, she thought we were always fighting, we we're on the brink of divorce. Yeah, she never knew safety, I guess I can say from what she said from us. And that, yeah. that's sad because like like you said, you and I thought we've always been in love and that married people fight. That's just what people do. And here, the poor child, she she never knew if she's going to have mom and dad or one or the other. Yeah. And, and you and I didn't remember, like we remember fighting, but we didn't remember fighting that much. Felt like we were getting, I felt like we were getting along most of the time. I think you've said you felt like we were getting along most of the time. Yeah. And there was a few blowout fights, but like I said, we just thought it was what married people do. Yeah. And I do, I do think we did that. I think early on we showed both people signaled to the other that they wanted to be here. And so we've, we've just always figured out a way to kind of resolve the issue. Like I'll deeply hurt you or something will deeply poke me. And, and it blows up to the point where one of us is, is threatening that the relationship is over. And and we just always figured out how to come back together and to make it work. Yeah, and I like now that we have the the language and some better tools under our belts now. And so we know when we're saying, I think this marriage is over. What we're really saying is, I'm not being heard right now, and I'm really hurt. And I don't know what else to do except for to leave before I can get you to hear me in this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's our way of saying we can't continue under these circumstances. We each, whoever is, you know, the one that's got the severe hurt at that moment, and sometimes it's both of you, but we each need to be heard and it's not happening right now. And hence there's some finality to us if this is where we're stuck, but I don't, we never stay stuck very long. No, I think that's, you know, the bell, like, hello, you're not listening. You know, either one of us, not you as in you, but on both sides really. And it's that wake up, like, okay, yes, something's really got to change here. Or it might be the finality. And damn it, I am not ready for that yet. Yeah, me either. So that's the first half. And we're loving each other imperfectly. We're, we're giving each other a ton of shit. 
we're traumatizing each other with me primarily, I think, traumatizing you because I, I... We do it to each other. Yeah, and I acknowledge that there's some degree going both ways. But my, my shadows showed up as anger, as manipulation, as shaming you um, and very overtly. showed up as shutting down and crying and fighting dirty. Yes. Okay. What, what do you mean by fighting I'm, dirty? I'm not letting you All right, what on you, the hook by yourself. So t- tell everybody what you, what you mean by fighting dirty. Um, I, whatever I know is going to hurt the worst, that's what's coming out of my mouth. Even if it's not true. My tongue can be so sharp. It's, it's like ninja warrior, your ass is kicked, sliced, and diced kind of sharp in a bad way. Yeah, there, there were a lot of times where you would say something and I'm like, fuck, she just hit the nuclear option. Yeah, that's my go-to. Where's that red button? Yeah, pushed. Yeah, and and so we're, we're causing trauma to each other. We're not fighting fair. We are um, hitting out of the park in some ways and failing atrociously in others. But let's let's talk for a moment about um, because I want to move I want to move into talking about ego and how you start to slow it down. Um, maybe talk for a moment about the idea we had of each other and and if you want to just tell the idea you had of me and let me kind of tell the idea I had of you. Oh, that might be fun. Okay. And what what like what was the story you told in your head? about the marriage you had and about the person you married that put pressure on the other person because we're all we're both picking up on signals as all of you do too um, this idea that that story you had what pressure did it put on the other person to be a certain thing okay because I thought you were going to ask me to say and now today we're still hitting it out of the park on some things and fucking it up other times and we are but okay so what was my idea of you and what that marriage looked like right Mm -hmm. yeah um you were my prince charming on your white horse and you rode in and you saved me and you were way too good for me you're good looking and you're smart and you're funny and just i married up and my prince charming really did come and sweep me off my feet and so even though there's these rough patches, it's okay. It's okay. I have my Prince Charming. It's okay. It's okay. It happens too much. It's okay. He's my Prince Charming. And so we're going to have this great life because I married my person and he saved me. What, what was your expectations of my, my behavior or my being? Pretty much everything Disney princess related that you were always going to be that Prince Charming and you were going to sweep me off my feet every day and protect me and save me even from myself every day. So let's let's get to kind of these extremes maybe and because I, I want I want the audience to pick up on I want those listening to pick up on the pressure that that perhaps I felt to be a certain kind of thing as well. Like I knew on some level you perceived yourself as marrying up. Um, I think I always felt lucky as well, but I know that you felt like you had married up and I, I, I capitalized on that in positive ways and, and in negative ways. Like I used that sometimes to get what I wanted. And there were other times that I took seriously with pride and pleasure, the opportunity and responsibility I had to take care of you and to love you, um, in ways that you deserve, but thought you would never get. And and there, there was an expectation of what kind of man that I needed to be to fulfill to fulfill the, these expectations that you had. And um, I want to get at the pressure because I think this is a big thing that kind of goes away on the other side. Like other things come in that are hard to do, but some of this pressure disappears. And so let's go like to extremes. If we talk sexuality, for instance, um, let's talk masturbation. So I'm a guy. I've got a healthy sex drive. And there are times where I'm masturbating, but I'm doing it not in front of you, because what would that mean if I did it in front of you by the way in which we both used to see the world? That's interesting. Um, I'm not really sure. Um, I've never been given the opportunity to react positive or negative. So that's that's number one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Never being given the opportunity. Yeah. So yes, we did come into from a religion where masturbation is bad. And so... And sin and needs and to be repented of and confessed of. Right. And 
that's not always a speaking point to me. Like, I have my own sins and things, and so I'm not so as hardcore on that like other people are. So I, I'm guessing I probably would have, because of what I was taught, reacted badly or poorly, but I might not have either because of how I've handled other things in my life that were supposed to be bad, but I just wasn't on board with that. And, um... For example, the LGBTQ community, I've never had a problem with gay people, even though my church told me I was supposed to hate them. And so that's what I guess I'm trying to reference is like, when I'm told something's a sin, I'm not always on board with that per se. And so never being given the opportunity to react to that, I don't know. But guessing, it probably would have been poorly. Yeah. So there have been times in your life where you've run counter in your thinking and response to issues that your church says you should respond a certain way. And you came in and responded entirely differently in a much more inclusive, kind, loving, compassionate manner. And so maybe had you been given the chance, maybe you would have handled that kind of a situation uh, differently as well. And on my side, I don't, I don't know that. All I know is I want to be this good Mormon and to be a, uh, to be a good church going member of that church you you have to be following all of these outward rules and and one of them is this level of sexual chastity uh even even within marriage but but even if you're like single and you know you you just can't masturbate you're not supposed to be looking at porn and so i always felt as if if you walked in the room and you caught me doing that like shit would hit the fan there would be judgment there would be shame there would be pressure to do something about it to fix it um and, and the same with pornography, right? Like, I'm definitely masturbating, and I'm definitely looking at porn, but because it's not allowable, it becomes this unhealthy, secret, um, hidden behavior, because you still need to look the part. And it's really funny that you're saying this, and this it's something that's kind of um, bounced in my head as we're speaking just now, is it made this huge circle jerk, because you thought I would respond the way my church told me I should, so it was hidden, and I that's the key word right there. So things felt secretive to me, and that's when I don't function so well, as if I think you're being secretive and hiding something that is no good. And so here, without knowing it, we created this huge circle jerk because you thought I'd behave the way I was supposed to, and I felt you were being secretive, so I felt I was being betrayed or whatever word is correct there because... Yeah, that's so interesting. And then I would say with the pornography, um, more was because those are gorgeous women. That must be what you want. And so the whole self-hatred thing. And with, with the masturbation and the pornography both, it's more like to me, it's what am I not doing right for you to have to do these things. If I was performing good and in ways that I'm supposed to and that I should, if I looked the part, like it's all these negative things on me, that's why you're doing these things. Not because of a church told me to do one thing or another. It was what it meant to me in that manner. Like, why can you not get this right? Why do you not look better? If you were fulfilling all of these roles that you're supposed to be fulfilling, then your husband wouldn't have to do these things. Yeah, and we're going to play off that in a moment when we talk about filling each other's voids. Um, you don't realize you don't realize until you're having these kinds of conversations that this system you grew up in, and a lot of us go to uh, high-demand fundamentalist religions when we're children, and we don't realize that they actually create an atmosphere of deception and lying in relationships. Because the standard is all of these outward performances, and because all of us in our humanity are falling short of fitting that perfectly. We have pieces and parts of ourselves that are trying to be expressed. We're not allowed to because they're not seen as positive. They're seen as sin and bad. And so we still find ways to be our true self, but we do it now in the shadows. We do it now with it hidden. We do it now with the feelings of shame and judgment. And, and all sides are taught to do this. Like you're taught to shame and judge me as I'm not fitting in the box. I'm taught to give myself judgment and shame as I'm not fitting in the box. There's some sort of pleasure in being authentic. So as you're committing these sins, you're also feeling like you get to be this piece of yourself. And so it is this big giant circle that just constantly has you seeking out authenticity, 
feeling the shame of having made a mistake, getting caught by your partner or language by your partner that such behaviors are shameful and judged. You feel bad. You then try to be authentic again and feel good. And you start the process all over again. And you're lying to each other the whole time. Yeah. Okay. It's your turn. Do me. Okay. So, um, I discovered our religious system by dating you. Like you were in that religious system. So it wasn't like I could even from the beginning separate it from you. I couldn't separate it from your family. That makes sense. And so to be with you and and to have converted to Mormonism, I was also married to Mormonism. And my my understanding of your expectations really are Mormonism's expectations. I am sensing that I have to uh, be the rule keeper on all of these particular behaviors that Mormonism uh, says you have to be or you can't be. And so, for instance, when it comes to like the Word of Wisdom, there's pieces and parts of me that want to be connected to my family doing some of those things. But because we're not allowed to do those things, including coffee and tea, can't drink alcohol, you can't use tobacco, which I never cared for anyway, you can't use illegal drugs. And uh, so that expectation was one of them. Uh, in terms of sexuality, I knew that because I just assumed your view is Mormonism's view, why would you believe something different than your church teaches that we both have faith in and belong to? Why would I think that I could do these behaviors or even begin a negotiation with you about them? Right? Like I can't even come to you and go, hey, baby, what do you think about maybe watching porn from time to time to enrich the sexuality of our relationship? That, that question would have been sin and would have come with judgment and shame. If not by you, then, then by our faith system to the point where I would have been afraid to ask you in the first place. Right. Um, and so my sexuality felt very regulated and it felt very much in your control and in the church's control. Like you owned it and it owned it. And since the, we're all three of us are married at the hip, my sexuality is owned by someone and something other than myself. And I also had expectations of what a good Mormon family looked like. And, and so, you know, the kids are well behaved and, you know, the wife is a, is a homemaker and she's doing all these incredible things that uh, out and about or serving in callings or baking fresh bread for this or doing that kind of thing for that. And so I put a lot of pressure on you to, to be those things and pressure on my kids to be those things to the point where there really wasn't a safe space for you just to naturally develop any of that. Like it was just this amazing, um, and by amazing, I mean enormous weight that I put on you to be a certain thing. And, and I expected my kids to be a certain thing. And what happens is you go to church and you, you wear your, your nice dress shirt and you wear your tie and, you're, and your wife's wearing a dress. And your kids are all dressed up and you sit in your pew and you look the part. And so does everyone else. And you know that at home things aren't this cookie cutter, that they aren't this beautiful, they aren't this clean and pristine. And it's, it's a big mess of emotion. It's a big mess of personalities. It's a big mess of expectations and a it's a big mess of uh, the hurt and trauma that's going on, on on a weekly basis. And you look around and you see all these other families and they just look like they're killing it. Like they're just hitting it out of the park. And you don't know at that point in your life that they're doing the same thing. They're also pretending, feeling bad, wondering if everybody else is hitting out of the park and knowing they're failing every week. And so when, I, when my kids misbehaved or when you did something that was outside of the box of what I wanted you to do, be, think, say then my internal disturbance would try to manipulate you into being something else. And, th and then that came with tons of hurt attached to it too. And, and, and so when you say like, what did I, what were my expectations of our marriage? My expectations of our marriage was that it would just be good and fit the narrative that we were told what a good marriage or a good family looked like. And our family wasn't that. And mostly because I wasn't even able to create a space where that could even be. And so here we are not living up to this expectation that was handed to us. And I'm constantly feeling resentment. I'm constantly feeling um, in inhibited. Uh, I feel shame because I, I don't get to show up being fully me. And, and I think on both sides of us, we're, you know, you've always said whenever we've been in a horrible fight, you always say this thing where you're like, you, you only love an idea of me. And I would always say, no, 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 I love you. Right. But I think now we both recognize we both loved an idea of the other person. Right. Any thoughts on that? Just sorry that it took me so long that I also have to say I loved an idea of you. That was always a one-way message for me of you only liked an or loved an idea of me. 
and it took me a really long time to admit that you could also say, I loved an idea of you. Yeah. And, and what that meant to me was that you were an object, and as an object, it was fair for me on some level to place expectations on what your humanity was allowed to look like. And so long as you lived up to that expectation, I was happy. And in as much as you didn't live up to that expectation, I was disturbed inside. I felt resentment. And my way of dealing with that inside of me was then to lash out and manipulate you and shame you into doing a better job at fitting my expectation. And, and not as unhealthy, but you're doing the same thing back in my direction, where it's signaled that I need to be a certain kind of husband. I need to have a certain kind of sexuality. I need to uh, have a certain way about which I carry myself so that you could feel safe and secure with the hallucination that I was the thing you needed me to be. Is that fair? Yeah, that's very fair. And I was just thinking about, too, when you were talking about me being an object of ownership, I... I felt that as well. Like I was in agreement with you that I was your property and you owned me. So therefore, those things that you did to me were okay. Yeah. It, it, in spite of them not being as far from okay as could be, you had a story that it was okay because something gave you the story that you were an object as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so at some point, like what what starts to shift? What is What starts to move that two people can begin to kind of see all of that and do something about it. It definitely started with you. Um, you were always so thirsty and hungry for knowledge. You were constantly wanting to, to learn and grow. I'm more on the procrastinator side. That's where our children get that from. And so, yeah, when they talk about lazy learners, yeah, that's me. That's me they're talking about. I can admit that. It's okay. And... Um, so yeah, so it really was did start with you. We were able to take this big risk and come out here and move to Utah and it's been nothing but amazing. And in that move, you know, we just found great people that help us and and so when you went on your faith journey, that kind of triggered I think you also wanting to be a better human and seeing how how you formed your thoughts and feelings around behaviors, you can now see, wait a minute, there's more than one way to look at this. And this one maybe probably wasn't the best one. And so just kind of exploring what that looked like. And, um, you know, we have a good friend that's like a Buddhist and you guys would talk about these shadow works and everything. And I had no clue what you guys were talking about. It took me a fat minute to finally understand what that meant. And so I think just when I was ready, you know how it is, you hear things when you're supposed to. And so anyways, you're the one that started that whole movement. Yeah. So, you know, we spend the first half of our life doing this thing where we compromise ourselves, and we choose to be the hallucination that another has about us, right? We choose to fit in. Right. And we choose to sacrifice pieces of our true self so that other people will feel safe and hence like us and accept us. Right. And at some point that begins to wear, wear thin and probably with me before it does with you. Mm -hmm. And so there comes a point where I'm tired, I'm burned out, I'm worn out, I'm exhausted of being something I'm not to the point where it feels like the risk is worth taking to come to you and to kind of open myself up and let you see inside. And, and the way you do that is you start having conversations. So I would sit with you and I would say, hey, I'm, I'm probably not built the way you tell yourself I'm built. I'm probably not the idea of me that you have. I'm, I'm, and, and I'm pretty tired and exhausted of living my life, at least in part, as a lie. Um, what, what was that like when, when I did that? Like what, what, what did you feel in that moment? Wow, um, that's hard. People listening, that is hard. Even just the very first conversation, it's probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. It, it hurts. It's so many things in so many directions. It was hard. It was hard. So, um, 
as I'm saying to you, hey, I'd like to be a more authentic me, and I'm asking you for space to be a more authentic me, and you're acknowledging like it hurts, it's difficult, it's not easy. What, what, like, there's plenty of times in the first half of life that we chose not to do hard things and we just kept it the way it was. Why, why now? Like, like here I am, I'm, I'm going like, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to nudge. I'm going to nudge and make reasonable requests here to be allowed to show up as my real self. What, what is inside you that, that decides to move with me that decides like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to try to make space for him to be his real self. For, for a while it was, I move with you or I don't get you. And so the fear of losing me. Yes. And then, I don't know if you remember, we were driving down to Vegas one time and we were having a conversation about our partner's happiness. And I flat out even told you, like, I'm not there. I can't. You're, I want you to be happy, but no, your happiness is obviously not what's most important to me right now because I am admitting to you that I can't. Right, that I still need to be an object to you that has to fulfill an idea. Otherwise, you're not going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, so the more that we had these conversations and started started listening and reading to books and podcasts to start opening up my thought process and to realize that it wasn't only a church, but society that tells us that we are supposed to live a certain way and anything outside of that is wrong. So to t- change a way of thinking that you've done your whole entire life is not easy. And so some of the books I had to put on the back burner and read later. And then as I was changing, I was able to read some of those other books finally. And then I did come to a place where, okay, I can handle you being happy. And that is what I want for you. That's what everybody should want to for their partner is their happiness and for them to be happy, for them to be authentic, for them to belong and and just love themselves so you can love them that much more. And so through a lot of hard, hard times and books and conversations and conversations with friends and and podcasts and crying together and laughing together, you know, being able to finally start to see the shift in your thought process and to just keep working on that. You just kind of really have to deprogram everything you've been taught in your youth. Yeah, so... On this first half, you you see yourself as objects. You you own the other person. You own their behavior. You own their thinking. You own their um, their sexuality. You own their um, way in which they do things. The the language they use. And at at some point, where I'm requesting that I be allowed to be my authentic self, and and you are willing to go along because you don't want to lose me. But as you're thinking it through, you you come to a place where you want me to be happy. And I think like this gets to this idea of like, what is real love and real love? Like if I really love this person, I love them. I love them so much that I'm willing to be uncomfortable. Perhaps I'm willing to, um, even to the extreme that I'm willing to lose them because by letting them be their authentic self, they may shift and grow in directions that end up being away from me. And so as you say, like, all right, you, you don't have to fit in this box anymore you get to be you, then that comes with space to shift and grow, to move, to be something other than what you've been before. And anything different is going to feel scary and feel as though um, you're, you're risking losing something. And so most of the time, our defense mechanisms kick in and it prevents us from doing that. And yet, when you really say like, look, I if my, if my partner ends up uh, experiencing a more fuller version of life, and that person ends up moving and shifting in ways that lead away from me. Like, I love them so much that I'd rather they be happier somewhere else than less happy here with me. And and what happens generally on that first half of life is love looks different. Love, love says, I want you to be happy, but only so far as it serves my happiness. I want you to be free and safe so long as it... Uh, contributes to my freedom and my safety. And so someone else's freedom to be authentic is always tied in this cancerous knot to your own making the world the way you want it to be so you can be happy. And and then we get to this point where 
we're ready to sit with letting the other person be themselves and be happy. And, and so I was putting a quote on Facebook last night. Uh, the quote says, love is true. So we're talking true love. Love is true when it gives you the freedom to be the perfect reflection of your real self, doing exactly all you've ever wanted to be. And it really spoke to me of being this kind of process. You know, love, I, I put some things down. I put love doesn't own or possess. Love doesn't own or possess another's behavior. Doesn't possess, own or possess what another may think, what another may feel, what another, what another believes, what another's sexuality looks like. Love doesn't own or possess another's time. Love doesn't own or possess another's attention. And when your ego begins to really soften up, and you're able to sit with your own discomfort as your partner is being them. Like there's so many times in life, babe, where I would, and still do to some degree, again, two things should be said. One is that we're fucking it up all the time, as I think you said earlier. We're, we're, this is still something we get wrong probably more than we get right, right? Well, I think that the scale is moving. Maybe it's 50-50 now. And so it's 50-50, but we're still messing it up. There's still regular occurrences where one of us can't sit with the discomfort of letting the other person be them. And and so one is that we're messing up. And two is that we're not saying, by the way, that true love shows up that you put up with your partner being whatever they need to be to be authentic. Rather, you both get to still create boundaries and healthy boundaries still always have the option that you don't have to tolerate this. This is more than you can handle. That person is saying they need to be able to be this thing. And you get to come in and go, that's fine. Like, I respect that. I honor that. You get to show up and be you. I just don't have to stay here for it. So somebody can exit a relationship at any time. And no no person should listen to this episode and feel like you and I are saying, hey, true love means you stay put while someone else does whatever they want to do. Right. Yeah. You cannot subject yourself to more than what you can handle and more than what you you need at, for your life and the rules that you make up for you. So yes, you have to have the conversations to see if any compromises can be made. And if not, then you're going to have to do what's best for you. And only you can answer that. Yeah. And so we begin this negotiation process where you and I are both uh, talking about on a regular basis now, when the other person shadow shows up and is manipulating you into being something other, like we're talking. So one of us gets poked and goes, hey, I really felt limited by you here. And we both have various facets of our being that makes the other person uncomfortable in a whole myriad of uh, arenas of our life, like the way we think, the way we talk, the way we do sexuality, the way that we... like. And so now we're beginning to just sit with each other sharing who they really are in these areas and us having this open conversation about, hey, you're not an object. I don't own you. When you do this thing, I get this disturbance inside, but that's not fair. You should get to show up in this space how you want to. And so anytime that one of us is being weird or quirky or loud or you know annoying or uh, like all the little personality quirks that we all have, that are poking our partner, not because we're doing something wrong, but because they internally come to this moment with a set of expectations and a set of experiences that has them being comfortable or uncomfortable with various ways in which other humans show up. And so when these expectations cause these disturbances, then then these internal like chaos that's going on inside of each of us, we are often trying to make the world be a certain way. But now here we are on this side and we're sitting with it and we're just talking about it and we're owning it. And and so now there seem to be these moments where we're getting it right. Like the other person would have, like the poke happens, you feel some disturbance. You would have then started to react to that by lashing out at your partner in the world. And now you're just sitting with it and going like, hmm, that's interesting. Look at that thing that I'm feeling. Um, talk for a moment about suddenly having this new skill to sometimes get it right and sit with the disturbance. <laughs> well, I, I would say my scale is more like maybe sometimes rarely I get sit with it. But my reactions do last a lot less long in duration anyways. But um, I wanted to say real quick too that it's funny. Another thing I used to say is I don't want you to need me. 
I want you to want me. Like wanting me means so much more than needing me. And then as we started on this side of life and, um, you know, started talking about our, our true selves and how we actually do tick and introducing new parts of us to each other, that whole wanting me thing became very scary and very something totally different. I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I do want him to need me. This wanting thing is hard work. So I think that was a funny phrase I used to say that got turned around as well. And in aspects of, you know, fighting for each other and wanting each other's happiness above all else. And anyways. Yeah. So you, so we get to a point where we really are daily and we can, I think we both see it in each other too. We're both daily working to make space for the other person to show up as they are. And, and it is, it's not, it's not easy, right? Like, it's not like, oh my gosh, we nailed it. We got it. You know, we're killing it. Right. Like it's hard and it's, and it comes with tons of discomfort still as you learn to sit with the discomfort and hopefully at some point get to a point where you can just immediately release that the moment that disturbance starts but we're not there and so sometimes we're sitting with a discomfort that we used to react to and lash out with and now we're just doing nothing but sitting with it for a moment and examining it i love when we get to examine it together and we like finally reach a point where that thing we are now talking about it like two human beings should talk to each other and we don't have to lash out anymore. And I look at you and I'm like, we just leveled up and we give each other a high five. Yeah. That's like my new favorite thing. Yeah. And and those, those come pretty regularly now mm-hmm. where one of us catches doing something that we always used to do and did without even knowing we were doing it, only aware of our own story in our own head and then suddenly we feel what the other person fe- feels in those moments that we've done it to him for so long. Or we realize like, oh, that's the thing I do to deal with this thing inside of me. And, and so you catch it and suddenly you can like look at your partner and have this really honest conversation about this shit inside you that you couldn't even name prior to that moment. Right. Like you didn't even know it was there until right. that moment. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I just saw what I did. Um, we had one of these recently. I'm trying to remember here. So... When when you and I have a fight, when you do something that pokes at me, and again, I audience, please hear me. This is I poke at her way more often than she Stop pokes it. at me, and and my shittiness to her was was much more um, in your face and harsh. But when she would do something that would hurt me, I wanted to be heard, so I would say, "Hey, baby, you hurt me right there," and then I'd wait, and then whatever she did, whatever her response was, it wasn't the response I needed, and I had. Again, an expectation of what that response should feel like, what it should look like, what it should sound like. And yet, here she is. She's a different human. She comes to this moment with a completely different set of experiences, different vernacular and language, different uh, traumas in her life, different expectations of what is even going on in this moment. And so the other person rarely ever shows up the way you want them to. And my shadow was that I couldn't relinquish that. I couldn't just make peace with it. I couldn't just go like, hey, she was giving you what you were asking for. It just wasn't exactly the way you wanted it to be. And and so my my inability to make peace with it would cause me to then come back, but a little stronger. Hey, baby, I just want to be clear. Like, you understand, you hurt me. Like, here's what happened. And then I'd wait for the response and it wasn't what I needed. So then I come back even stronger. But baby, you're not, you're not hearing me. Like what you did, did this thing to me. And it was because here's what I was thinking and here's what I felt. And I really think you messed up here. I, I, I'm hurt. And suddenly my language, as you saw in that last one, it starts to get unhealthy. You're not just stating you're hurt, but you're now trying to manipulate the other person into responding to you in a way that you can be okay. And so you're back at doing this shitty behavior again, and it begins to get out of control. Like you just keep escalating and escalating. And so that's what I would do, except that the disturbance is inside of me and I'm not handling it right. And it finally just blows up where you're, you're in tears and you're crying, you're hurt. Uh, everything is just in, in shreds again. Uh, and just recently we had one of these moments where that happened. I didn't catch myself. I didn't fix it. Didn't do it right. I screwed it up just like I had screwed it up 10 million times before. And over the course of the next two or three hours, I just had this, what I would describe as like a meditation where I just sat and leaned into thinking and feeling what it might be like to be on your side of that conversation. And 
I was struck with the deep emotional hurt, um, self-criticism you would have about yourself in that, the self-doubt you would have, the shame, the feelings of letting me down, the feelings of inadequacy, um, the kind of self-loathing. And it finally got me to think it through enough to go like, oh, I'm causing in her the same feeling I'm trying to resolve. And if I love this woman, then I shouldn't be doing that. That doesn't, that's not healthy and that's shitty behavior. I ought to respond in a way that allows us both to be happy and to feel good and to make peace with it and to move on. Um, Any thoughts from you about that light bulb moment? Um, I'm wondering if, if this time was a little bit different because the thing that we were arguing about, I was coming from such a different place, but I felt like I was still being treated like I was coming from a same place that I was. So I think this so, time... So let me just make sure that they understand. So you, in the past, you, you would have responded a certain way, but behind that response, the motive would have been to, to deflect or dismiss. No, the thing that I did... I, I did in a different way than I did in the past. So it was still a thing that I, I, I need to work on, but what was behind it was so different from in the past. I still needed to apologize, but in a different manner. You should have gotten some credit for having done it better than you'd done it before. Yes. I don't know if getting credit is the right words, but yes. Like, no, I didn't do this thing that you said I did in the way you thought I did it. Like, I did it, but completely different. And I'm sorry, that might be confusing without giving specifics. But, um, and so with this fight, I I hung in more than I have with other fights. Like, normally, I just shut down. There is no winning a fight with you. So I just shut down, and I internalize everything, and then I just hold everything. And, and this fight, I was, like, standing my ground and not not backing up so much does that feel like that might have had something to do with you being able to sit with it differently this time i I don't know that like i i don't know what it was other than when you make it a practice to try to be a better human every day you begin to be more honest you begin to be less self self self-deceptive about your own shitty behavior like in the past, you've always protected yourself and you've made excuses for your own shittiness. Like when you manipulate, when you deflect, when you obfuscate, when you dismiss another human being, when you gaslight, when you do any of these behaviors, you have your own logic inside your head for why it's why it's justifiable or why why the other person needs to take the majority of the blame. And when you get real about development on this side of life, you're finally to a point where you will just sit with and examine your own behavior and call a spade a spade and go, that was shitty. And and I'm to the point where I don't want to do shitty things knowing they're shitty. I want to fix it. I want to fix the pieces of me that can be, that can, that, that where habits can be broken and new thought processes can be created and new ways of responding rather than reacting can occur. And so I don't I don't know if it was because you had done something different, but I definitely was very much aware that I was part of the problem where where in the first 15 years of our marriage I would have always just known this was your fault. Like I'd be mad at myself for having overreacted and having escalated the argument, but but at the beginning of the argument it was your fault and I'm in the right in terms of the who's the right and wrong in this argument. Now I realize like, oh, it's it's like that old song there's no good guy. There's no bad guy. There's just you and me, and we just disagree. And on this side of life, you realize there really isn't a good guy or a bad guy. There's just these humans who care about each other, and they're trying like their damnedest to show up in the world as their real self. And that real self is, in some places, amazingly acceptable. In other places, it's completely unacceptable to be that thing. And so you're never, you're never, you're never sure if you're wording something right or if you're doing something right or if you're showing up the way you're allowed. True. And I just want to say really quick, thank you, because you do put so much work into it. You're not the same person you were even just six months ago. Like, you do take very seriously being the best version of you that you can be. And I really appreciate that. And it it helps me to want to be my better version of myself as well. Yeah. So... If you're listening to this, it's it's the idea that up until this moment, you've chosen to perhaps allow your partner to only be as happy as contributes to your happiness. Right. 
maybe your partner's um, thinking or their behaving or um, their beliefs, their, their time, like all of those things are things that are to contribute to you and your well-being and your happiness and wholeness. And anytime they don't, maybe you're the kind of person who's not allowing them to be their full self to the point where you don't even know what their full self would look like because they don't even feel safe to tell you. And so if you're listening to this, the hope is that you're kind of hearing how we approached it, what it was, how it got to be so uncomfortable that we took a chance on doing something different and what that process is to begin to move that direction and to get better at it. And that it's worth it. And the rewards of the work have been so phenomenal. Like we do have real love now, we think. And each other's happiness is the thing that is now important. And so now when we've stopped being so selfish and just so worried about ourselves, when now we're worried about our partner and how they're feeling and if they're happy and what do they need and and things, working in boundaries that we have set for each other, like how much more rewarding our relationship is. And I used to also say, when are you going to stop running from me and just stop? Like, what are you still looking for? Like, I ran into you and I stopped running. Why are you still running? And you have stopped running now. It's... Right. You're not looking for that fix anymore. We're, we completely have fallen more in love than we ever have been before. And our relationship is so serious to us. Yeah. So the hard, hard work and the tears and the fights is definitely worth sticking through it and making it to the end. Yeah. I, I am content just being in space with you. And I'm, I'm not needing to find some other piece. Like we were trying to kind of hit on earlier, like you can't fill another person, all of their voids. Like they need to be able to go hang out with their, their dad, or they need to be able to go grab a drink on Wednesday nights, maybe with their friends, or they, they need to be able to go do this thing uh, for a weekend with, uh, with the girls. Like we all have a million pieces and parts of us that need some degree of attention needs some degree of being filled. And uh, there's no way in which any human can completely be sufficient for all of those places for another human. And, and so we sit on this first half of life thinking, I should be anything and everything to this person. The fact they need to go golfing with their dad and their brother, or that they need to go hang out with the girls for a weekend, somehow says something about what I'm unable to be. And it really has nothing to do with each other. Like you fill everything you could fill for me. And there are still places left over that get filled by something other than you that you couldn't possibly fill. Right. I might need to just go golf with my dad and my brother and you just might need a girl's weekend. Who knows? (laughs) Yes. And so when you make space for your partner to, to be their authentic self, what you're also acknowledging is that you don't need to be all things to them and they don't need to be all things to you And all of us humans are figuring this out in different ways. And it's even relaxing, I should say, maybe, when you do figure that out. Because now you can take a breath and things can just be fun, too. Because now you don't have to perform on so many levels and be just so damn exhausted all the time. And there's there's this magic that happens when, when you perceive me as wanting you to show up as your authentic self. And there's magic that happens when I perceive that you're safe to let me show up as my authentic self. And and now there's like this level of natural acceptance where you're no longer fitting in, but like you belong in this relationship. You get to come to this relationship exactly as you are. And I get to come to this relationship exactly as I am. And we are making space for that to coexist and for each other's happiness to be... Um, the the biggest priority and doing those things in the end gave us exactly what we wanted in the first place we are in love we can't get enough of each other like we're always telling each other how we're our favorite people to each other and how there is no life without each other in it and that's really fun it's been really good yeah our marriage if i were to put like a one to ten if you would have asked me 10 years ago how's your marriage i would have probably said oh it's an eight and now looking back, I would say it was a six or a seven. And today, I don't really know. 
I think we could get better at this and there would be less disturbances. But in terms of like, how good do I feel about my marriage? Like, am I happy? Am I loved? Do I feel cared for? Do I feel like this will last until one of us takes our last breath? Like, yes to all of those. There's still disagreement. There's still us poking each other and having to talk it out and sit with it. But it doesn't feel like we're loving an idea of each other anymore. It feels like we are willing to sit with each other as we really are and are doing a pretty good job of loving each other in that. I would give us a 12 out of 10. 12 out of 10. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. Then let's go with a 12 out of 10. Um, it's because of all those girls weekends I'm having. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you, is, let me ask this. Is there anything else along this conversation that you think we didn't hit on or something we need to say that's important to people kind of getting the concept that we're, that we're speaking to? I feel like we've done it. Um, just putting in the work. Anything worth doing is worth the work. What does the work look like? Like, what is that? What do you mean? Because it is, it is work. Like it is, you feel like you worked on the railroad all day because your body feels beat up because you've been, you're, you're holding really heavy emotional, um, issues that tie into very deep, painful stories in your narrative. Like, what do you mean by work? You have to read, listen, talk to a lot of different people in areas. It really is about changing your own mindset. You guys know the saying about how you can't change other people. It's absolutely true. And like Bill was saying earlier, when you have this disturbance inside of you, it's everything you're doing to try to get that to be okay. That's really not the other person's problem. And so as we're learning that and just learning to just open yourself up, learn new things, be open and be expansive, it's really hard work to do that because you've been told your whole entire life and by so many directions that this is the way life is and it's the only way to live your life. Well, really, that's bullshit. And so it takes a lot of hard work to be able to say that out loud and to admit really hard things about yourself. Right. So you're so you're, you're reading books. You and I have read multiple books together and we've read our own books separate that have been helpful to our, our, our growth. Um, you and I have talked in numerous conversations with people when we've gotten together with friends or with with people who are reaching out to us to to have communication and conversation and and to meet up people who are struggling with kind of deconstructing their system or people who are looking for new community and we've uh, shared with them like podcasts such as uh, where do we begin with Esther Peril um it's every every episode is a different therapy session where this husband and wife or the the wives or the husbands or the boyfriend and girlfriend or the parent and child where they're having some relationship issue and each one is a different person or, or partnership relationship. And each episode is her uh, trying to help these folks kind of move through whatever their issue is. And often seeing it as a third party, as an observer allows you to kind of sit with it on your own. We've, again, we've read books together. Um, we've had numerous conversations with each other. Like, I think we are communicating exponentially so far ahead of what we did 15 years ago. Right. I, I don't even think we even communicated 15 years ago other than so. like, again, signaling, like, I love you. Hey, I love you. Hope you're having a great day, blah, blah, blah. But we never would really sit and go like, what's the hard shit? What are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? How do we get better at it? What do we need to let go of? Right. Um, and you talk about friends earlier. Like we have great friends and we've, these friends are a really incredible spot to just sit, whether it's two people with the two of you at dinner, whether it's a party of 10 or a party of 35 or 50, like sitting with other humans and discussing the deep shit of life, which we now do every single time we're in a conversation with friends, it allows you to kind of look in the mirror and see yourself from a different perspective. Uh, we've had times where we see our friends fight the way we fight. And by seeing your friends do it, you're like, oh yeah, that's that thing we do. Um, just recently we've been watching a TV show. It's a really short three, four episode show called Eden. And the thing that caught my eye was that there's these robots who using just robot minds that have to make decisions based on data and programming. These robots respond to situations the exact same way that we humans respond to situations. And it tells you that some of what we do is just programming. And the story we have about why we do it is really an afterthought. 
Like we think the story is the reason we do what we do, but sometimes we're just programmed to do what we do. And so watching uh, certain TV shows or movies, I think is helpful. Um, I know we have friends who use conscious altering tools and those tend to be helpful uh, to them and their story. Uh, I just think anytime you're gathering in other experiences, including talking to each other and listening to each other's different experience, you begin to make space that you can see what you do in a different light and work on it. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah. else there? No, I think that was good. Okay. Anything else before we close this off? Nope. I think that was great. Okay. Love is true when it gives you the freedom to be the perfect reflection of your real self, doing exactly all you've ever wanted to be. See you next time. <laughs>